Hi, my name is Juliana Sauver. I am super excited to be here today to talk to you about gut health. <laughs> A great topic of discussion, really important for us in terms of overall health. It's Friday, March 27th, 2020. Uh, probably one of the most unusual Fridays of my lifetime in that we are in a stay-at-home order. So this is a great time for us to learn and to grow and uh, come out of this the other side better for ourselves and our health. Woke up this morning and it's foggy outside, which would indicate to me that warmer weather is coming. So that's pretty exciting as well. So let's talk about the gut microbiome, the gut microbiota, as some call it. And basically, um, let's get some understanding of how um, Hello. Sorry, I seem to be having some trouble with audio today. And I don't know what it is, so my apologies. Um, so we're talking about the microbiome, which is basically an ecosystem. It is a collection of different organisms that live together, kind of like a pond or a lake, live in synergy with each other and help each other out. So the human body is really interesting because what we have done is we have, we have hired a lot of other organisms to live with us to help us do the work. So if there's a hundred or if there's a trillion human cells, there's 10 times that in bacteria and 10 times 10 in viruses. And those viruses and bacteria help to do a lot of work for us. So that work, um, is things like breaking down food, converting it nutrients, um, helping to clean up cells that have died off, um, you know, maybe some cleanup of toxins, things along those lines. So they do some good work for us. They we also have parasites, amoebas, prions, um, mold, fungus, yeast. Again, some of them do some really good work and then um, they can create challenges. So we'll get into what that is. We share space with them, but it's sort of this balance that we have to maintain. It's been long believed that the body was a very sterile environment. In other words, we had to stay sterile away from germs in order to make sure that we um, were nice and healthy. And um, we pursued germ killing since the 1960s. Okay, we have bleached it, lysoled it, we've hit it with antibacterial hand soaps, and um, we've added a lot of toxic chemicals into our day-to-day, -day, and we've actually stripped the body of the symbiosis, the important balance that's needed for us to remain healthy. And um, we are now catching up with the knowledge that we have to have this balance in our bodies. That balance is absolutely necessary for us to remain healthy. And there is this um, hmm, sort of a disagreement happening because we've had lots of years of being told that we needed to have a sterile environment. And that's true for things like, um, like you know, surgical rooms and things along those lines. 
but it is not necessarily true for our internal system and even our skin. We have created an environment by doing that where there isn't the balance between the beneficials and the non-beneficials, the good and the bad, if you will. And so what we've done is we've created this bacterial party in our bodies, which is not helpful for us. So in the body's ecosystem, the average gut has 10 trillion bacteria. Outnumbers our body cells 10 to 1. It can weigh as much as the brain, 3 to 5 pounds. There's 300 to 500 different varieties of bacteria, different strains, if you will. And that mix varies by person. Every single person has a different mix. Where you live, you're going to have different bacteria. The time of year will will change it. And what you eat will change it as well. And um, so we have to um, know that uh, what we have for bacteria is not the same as what someone who lives in a completely different country is going to have. Or even those of a different uh, cultural or genetic makeup. Those are going to be different as well. And all of these bacteria, mold, fungus, yeast, etc., have their own genes. They have, there's over 400 times as many their genes as human genes. But we have this symbiotic relationship. We're really mutually dependent upon them. And we need them in balance. And that's important. So we have these bacteria in the mouth in the esophagus and the stomach, the digestive tract, the urinary system, the bladder, the kidneys, on the skin. They're even finding them in the brain doing work up in there. So that's pretty cool. I seem to be having some audio trouble today. I don't know why, so uh, bear with me. Where do good bacteria come from? A baby's gut is actually pretty much sterile when they're born. They, if they come through the vaginal canal, they get an initial inoculation from the pelvic area of human gut bacteria. Then through breastfeeding, there's more bacteria transferred. And in fact, what they found is that the mom's breast milk will change based on what the baby needs. Um, There is this communication process that happens, which is super cool. And by age three, roughly your gut bacteria is established if it goes through normal channels. The challenge is that um, if they're they're not getting breast milk, if they've been uh, delivered via C-section, those kinds of things can impact um, whether or not they have the right good bacteria that are needed to support um, their bodies. Uh, So the air that they breathe, the water they drink, the food that they eat, human contact also, being out and playing in the dirt, they're actually developing probiotics. The pharmaceutical companies develop probiotics from the bacteria in the dirt. But if the dirt's been sprayed with things like, um, you know, Scott's lawn care or glyphosate, like Roundup, things like that, that changes the bacteria in the dirt. So you want clean dirt. (laughs) Um, Those kids that are not receiving those inoculations are more susceptible to allergies and asthma and a variety of ailments. Studies have shown that. Studies have also shown that early antibiotics actually change the balance of beneficial bacteria in the body. And, um, they, uh, 
can leave the gut in with an increased opportunity for non-beneficials, which leaves an increased opportunity for illness, okay? It's believed that all illness starts in the colon. The colon is really an organ. We need to take care of it just like we do our heart. We really need to take care of it. It's a very long thing. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know, the small intestine is like one inch in diameter and 10 feet long. The large intestine, two and a half inches in diameter and five feet long. You know, it's a long area for us to have bacteria in. The skin has its own microbiome. It has its own good bacteria. And that is your first line of defense when you're exposed to things. So think about it. If you're like rubbing all that off with antibacterial stuff, you're not necessarily allowing your immune system have its first line of defense. Now, um, there are natural options for cleaning. You know, soap's a great option. Uh, but if you are using an antibacterial soap, you're actually impacting your skin's ability to fight off what it's exposed to. And skin's the largest organ in the body, right? It actually is your first line of defense to microbes entering the body. So you want to make sure that that is supported and that bacteria has a chance to live. It changes regularly. Um, and it actually primes the immune system for what um, is coming in from the outside. So your skin will have an exposure and will say to your immune system, hey guys, we got some stuff coming in. Come help me, okay? Um, so what are bacteria? They are single cell organisms that reproduce, adapt, and die. They, their whole purpose is to reproduce and um, they will do so by adapting to their environment. And um, each time there's a change in their environment, they will adapt again. It's called polymorphous. And we know that, and the immune system knows that as well. And so the immune system is really keyed up to like, you know, make sure that it's, it is continuing to adapt with the demands of what's coming at it. Um, many of the bacteria that we have in there produce some of the body's enzymes and enzymes are the doers. They like break stuff down and, and whatever. Uh, they act as a catalyst, catalyst for things to happen. Some of the positive things that gut bacteria does, like it regulates digestion. I've often run across, many of my clients come in with digestive challenges. It's very, very common. And um, it's actually one of the easier things for us to fix, which is super cool. The sooner you get on it, uh, the sooner you will have better outcomes. So we regulate digestion. It drives metabolism. It can be a part of your ability to maintain a healthy weight. It extracts and creates vitamins B and K. For nutrient and mineral absorption, that's a piece of it because it will actually create or convert nutrients. It'll pair nutrients up so that they're usable in the body. Build and defend the gut wall. It houses the immune system. It actually programs your immune system. So again, it's like, it's like seeing what's coming in and letting your immune system know, hey guys, we've had an exposure to E. coli or H. pylori or staph or something like that. And we'll call in the troops. Um, and it defends against pathogens that we get in from water and food. The gut bacteria st actually stimulates the lymphatic system to produce antibodies that fights off pathogens. So um, important to have that nice and healthy. 
There's no truly bad bacteria, but out of balance, they become aggressive and can cause damage. So two that I want to talk about specifically are E. coli and H. pylori. Oftentimes we find that when people have had really serious stomach issues that H. pylori and or E. coli are present. They do some damage. They can make us sick, but they also do some beneficial cleanup work. So again, it's about how much. Um, they feed off sugar and carbohydrates. You got to know that like these, all of these buggers really like sugar and carbohydrates. Okay. Things that destroy gut bacteria. I mentioned antibiotics. So antibiotics definitely do affect gut bacteria, actually affect all bacteria, steroids, chemotherapy, radiation, and other prescription drugs have an impact as well. Uh, chlorine bleach and pool additives, antibiotics in food products, animals specifically, it's actually 70% of antibiotics are sold into the animal husbandry industry. Pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, chemical cleaning products, room deodorizers, chronic stress. Stress is a big piece of this. A lack of fiber and raw foods in the diet, alcohol, trauma, so emotional trauma plays a piece surgeries and the related medications, infections, heavy metals, parasites, glyphosate, the list can go on. What feeds the bad bacteria? Starch, sugar, and simple carbohydrates. They produce endotoxins, which lead to inflammation and um, can actually lead to an overproduced production of insulin and yeast. and may also increase our fat storage. Leaky gut affects the brain, the skin, the thyroid, the colon, the adrenals, the joints, the sinuses, the mouth. So there's a lot of impact here. Um, I wanna add one more thing to that, is that all of these bacteria and fungus and yeast, etc., put off their own neurotransmitters, which can affect your mood. It can affect how you feel day to day. It can affect whether you're tired or not. So stress, um, we do want to reduce stress as a, is one of the causes of leaky gut. It's a big part of it because of the vagus nerve. And I'm not going to dig into the vagus nerve, but understand that when you're under stress, it actually lowers your digestive fire because you don't need to be digesting food if your body perceives it's in danger. Um, so that danger signal causes your body to take resources from digestion and move it out to breathing and heart rate and arms and legs to be able to run. Overuse of medications or long-term use of medications, toxic chemicals like cleaners and beauty products, etc. Um, and it's been, leaky gut's been associated as a piece of the, the, the puzzle with autoimmune disease. Um, contribution or con conditions contributed to by leaky gut inflammation. So numbness, pain, joint pain, lung issues, blood pressure issues, sinus irritation, learning difficulty, bowel related conditions, autoimmune related conditions, hormone imbalance, reoccurrent infections and in immune systems, anger outbursts and behavioral issues. And, um, many hospital acquired infections are antibiotic resistant infections as well.
It is also known as the second brain. So they're connecting gut bacteria with the enteric nervous system, which is neural development, things like autism and ADHD, brain chemistry, behavior, anxiety, depression, and mood. Your gut bacteria produces a lot of neurochemicals. It's estimated it's 95% of the body's secretion of serotonin, which is our happy hormone. So we want lots of that. (laughs) Um, And there's an emotional component of it. And you may have heard metaphors, these emotional metaphors, like something's eating me from inside. I have a gut feeling. Listen to your gut. My stomach is churning. What's your gut instinct? Uh, My guts are twisted in a knot. I have butterflies in the stomach and I have a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. So you can see there's a lot of emotional connection there within the digestive area. What is a probiotic? So let's get into probiotics. Um, it is a food or a preparation that feeds the, po- the beneficial gut bacteria. The bacteria eats soluble fiber. This fiber attracts water and fills, fills forms a gel. The gel is a protective mucosal layer that houses the good bacteria. I call it the snot layer. It's a whole lot easier to say than mucosal. Things like oatmeal, lentils, apples, pears, um, artichokes, nuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, beans, pears, psyllium, uh, cucumbers, celery, aloe vera. uh, They all um, help with that protective mucosal layer. And breast milk or colostrum is also beneficial. The word probiotic comes from the Greek for life. I don't know why this audio continues to cause me challenges. Um, We have an imbalance of the gut microbiota, which can lead to a lot of illnesses. And in fact, a study of obesity shows that 90% of gut bacteria are in two classes, Firmicutes, which are dominant in those that are obese, and bacteriides, which are dominant in lean individuals. And they've done some interesting transplant uh, uh, tests within rats, and they have found that it can change um, how the the, uh, body uh, is in terms of being lean and strong, and bacteria makes a piece of that. So what can you do? Avoid antibiotics. There are lots of herbals and essential oils that can help you if you need something along those lines. Now, don't get me wrong. Antibiotics can be life-saving and they have benefit. So if you've had an antibiotic, uh, you will want to look to restore your your microbiome. Um, If you're taking an antibiotic, you don't want to take a probiotic with it because they kind of work against each other, but you can take them away from each other. So an antibiotic, say in the morning, and then your probiotic at, um, you know, 10 or 11 in the morning. Eat fermented foods and drink fermented drinks. So kombucha is a great one. It's readily available. Um, I'm seeing a version even in the gas stations Uh, and lots of grocery stores. Even some of the smaller ones are carrying kombucha as well. Tastes a little getting used to because it's vinegary, uh, but I crave it now. Sauerkraut and other fermented vegetables. I do a fermented coleslaw, which I love. Um, and all you really need is like a tablespoon as a condiment with dinner. Uh, kefir or kefir. There's water kefir and milk kefir. Lots of great benefits with kefir if you are someone who's consuming milk. Uh, yogurt, you can make it yourself. 
Now, the yogurt in the grocery store only has one to four strains. And if you remember, I mentioned there are three to 500 in the human body. That's not really enough. So, and, the, and it has a lot of sugar, which, be, which feeds the yeast and the fungus and the things that we don't really want to have, you know, be feeding. So make it yourself is easy enough to do. There are places available to get raw milk that is going to have the highest good bacterial count. And then you just get the cultures to make yogurt. Bone broth. Uh, bone broth itself, because it's heated, doesn't bring bacteria, but it helps to encourage and feed bacteria. Vegetables. You want to get farm fresh and um, minimally um, processed Local, if you can do that, because that's going to be really super helpful for you. Raw vegetables are best. So raw vegetables actually bring good bacteria. So if you happen to be growing tomatoes in your yard and you have not sprayed them with anything, go out, dust off the a little bit of the you know excess dirt, eat that tomato right from the vine. You're getting some of the um, you're getting some of the good bacteria from the dirt that's on the skin of the tomato itself. So cherry tomatoes, you know, if they're growing on the vine in your yard, pop out and grab a few cherry tomatoes. You're going to be getting the prebiotic fiber, which comes from the tomato itself, and you're getting the probiotics, the good bacteria that's on the outside surface of that uh, tomato itself. Um, why is raw breast best in part? Because enzymes are destroyed at over 110 degrees and the bacteria is destroyed if you cook anything over 140 degrees. So as soon as you cook something, you're killing the enzymes of the bacteria. So raw vegetables are the best. I mentioned seeds. I want to bring those up again, chia and flax seeds. So chia and flax seeds, the thing about those is that they are mucilaginous. So what they do is when they, when they get exposed to liquids, so like the chia seeds, sometimes you'll find them in kefir. I make a chia seed pudding that I eat pretty regularly. And so those chia seeds will absorb liquid and they, they burst open and they have this sort of like jelly consistency to them. That helps to feed that mucosal layer, that snot layer I was telling you about that's really beneficial. Probiotic supplementation. So um, you can get probiotics from various places. Be very careful about probiotics. There are lots of formulas out there that aren't going to really help you very much. So I would encourage you to get a probiotic. If you're going to buy one from a health food store, contact me. I'll give you the names of some good companies that do high quality probiotics. But really, um, I, am more a fan of let's eat the, let's eat the fermented vegetables. You get far more from the fermented vegetables. You get the minerals and the nutrients and, um, far less expensive, w much easier on the budget. <laughs> and then quality of the strains and the number of strains in the probiotics. So if you're buying a probiotic, you want over 15 billion CFUs higher is better, but, but work your way into it. If you're not being supervised by um, a naturopath. Formulation makes a difference in the combination of strains. So um, I've seen 16 different um, for strains and formulations. I've seen uh, 30. I've seen on up. So numbers of strains. Again, we have three to 500 in our gut. If you can get, the more you can get, the better you're going to be. You want live bacteria and preferably refrigerated. Uh, let's talk about poop and farts for a second. <laughs> they are a good indicator of colon health. They should be 75% solid, 25% water, 
30% of the solids are actually bacteria. And flatulence is actually methane produced by bacteria digesting food. The stinkier the poop, the more you need good bacteria. <laughs> um, so that's something to keep in mind, a, a kind of a, a, a funny measure. Uh, the human colon has the highest density of microorganisms of every and of any known ecosystem on our planet. That's Dr. David Fredericks. And if you want to research more, the National Institutes of, National Institutes of Health is doing a really good program called the Microbiome Project. And they're posting their findings. And they're finding some really fascinating things. So if you want to keep track of what's happening in microbiome science, you can do that. So let's do a recap of actions to take. One, avoid antibacterial chemicals. Wash your hands with soap. I'm not saying don't wash your hands. I'm saying wash your hands with soap and utilize things that are not going to necessarily kill off all that good bacteria. Go as non-toxic as... <coughs> Sorry. Mm. <coughs> Been talking too much. Go as non-toxic as possible. Be cautious of digestive distressing medications. Things like acid reducers are really only supposed to be taken for six weeks. There are ways that you can help your body to balance out. I'm not saying go off your medications. That should be supervised. Uh, but there are things you can do to help your body to balance out. Avoid antibiotics or use them minimally. Eat fermented vegetables and drinks daily. Eat raw vegetables and fruits not sprayed with chemicals. Fresh from the vine if you can. Seeds, flax, chia seeds, and aloe vera. And you want the, you want the gel along with the juice and the, um, the leaf itself, if possible. Reduce stress. Breathe and release emotional stress and seek peace in your life because that will bring your digestion back to where it needs to be. And enjoy life and be grateful. And those are some of the key elements of gut health. So now I'll move into questions. Defy Gravity is here for you, for your health, body, mind, and spirit, to bring you knowledge and education to empower you to own your life and be in charge of it. Come on in regularly for the knowledge that you need to support all of your life's objectives. I'm Juliana Sauber, traditional naturopath, and not only a survivor, but I've recovered. And I'm living free of health challenges that kept me down for almost two decades. So I'm here to share with you the things that I did to regain my health and get my life back and bring people to you that will also help you and give you more information and more perspectives. And that is the key to creating the life that you want. So welcome to Defy Gravity. Subscribe, come back regularly. Please invite your friends, share this podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram because we are here to meet your needs. <laughs>